Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Zach's trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sixth and inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cavs are back, and so are we. The NBA moratorium is over. Summer League is here. We get our debut of Evan Mobley in a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey, and we've got so much to talk about. We, we've got a lot of catching up to do. And with me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? It's going well, man. Uh, you're getting NPR Carter as we are recording after the game, and thus I got a sleepy baby. Um, but, uh, no, it, it, things are good. Uh, it, we just got to finally see the Cavs play for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the people we wanted to see do well looked really, really good. And it was a really fun experience. Yeah, it was a really fun experience. And obviously Okoro and Mobley were going to be the two that got the most attention coming into this game. Um, but what I was really looking forward to was seeing how other guys stepped up in, in this situation. Are, are I mean, we leading the pod with Lamar Stevens? We're going to lead the pod with Lamar Stevens and Broderick Thomas because we, we got both ends of the spectrum there. I just wanted to touch on that because th- that was one of my big things because I, I knew Okoro or I had a sense that Okoro was going to look good there. Uh, Mobley showed a lot of what we, we wanted to see and we'll get to that very shortly. But man, Broderick Thomas did not give me what I want to see. But Lamar Stevens, man, he he uh, he made a positive impression. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? I mean, Lamar looked like an NBA player, you know, like, and that's really what you're looking for for, the, for this kind of um, situation where you really are just looking for the, the, the younger guys like Isaac, like, like Lamar, to look like they kind of are a different tier of player. Yeah. And that was definitely what I saw from Lamar tonight and from Isaac, who, um, you know, all you really want when you send a second year player to Summer League is to feel like, ah, they probably don't need to be here. (laughs) Yeah. Isaac Okoro does not belong in Summer League. (laughs) That was really apparent uh, from the get-go. It was very good to see, though, because I I needed a little infusion of Cavs. It's been a while since we've seen him play. Um, Seeing Isaac go out there after... I, I guess half an off season at this point and kind of show off some of the work that he's put in was really, really exciting. The, the handle looks better. Obviously the, the physique has gotten a lot of attention in the pictures leading up to this game, but that translated early on, uh, had some really strong takes to the basket where guys were just not physically equipped, uh, to deal yeah, with them. And, and, and that's going to be his game. You know, we, I think we learned that last year at the end of last season. I mean, that son's game obviously is the, the one that really sticks out to you. But like, you know, I think we realized that Isaac isn't going to be probably a guy who like, I don't think he's got enough bend to be that crazy, you know, generate a three feet of space just off his handle. 
Like, I yeah. don't think that's him, but, like, what he can be is an absolute bulldog attacking and just driving right into someone's chest and just they're bouncing off of him. You yeah, know? and and Summer League is the venue for guys that can create uh, off the dribble. I, I mean, there's so many teams, or every team basically, is playing with guys that haven't had a lot of experience together. There's guys going through the jitters, trying to feel, feel things out, um, making their debut, and for Okoro, I, I thought he did really well uh, handling the ball. Towards the end of the game, he was pressing a little bit. Um, but that's where you want to see those mistakes. You you, you want to see him at least get those reps in this opportunity because it's not something he's going to be asked to do a lot in the NBA. And, and when he does, I, I would assume that he'd have a little more help around him. But just getting those opportunities to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And the fact that he had so much success despite not being one of those guys that really blows you away with his handle um I mean, he had like three I that... absolute freaking yam of dunks <laughs> i i really enjoyed that after uh jalen green word after jalen green who was just incredible so so damn good i i thought isaac had done such a great job on him in the first half he, he basically only had that end one that was i think the only bucket he had on okoro but then in the second half he had that uh step back in the corner over isaac which was nuts then he had that baseline jumper and after that okoro just seemed fed up went through his man and dunked all over Sangoon, which was <laughs> one of the highlights of the evening for sure. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I mean, proof of concept for the G League, huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, between Kuminga looking pretty pretty damn solid and now green. Like, it just looked like he played against NBA players before. Yes. And, and, you know, even though Mobley was great and I saw a lot of good good stuff out of him, like, you could just kind of tell that the, the level of competition, of course, like, the, it's a terrible... Uh, environment for bigs but man did Jalen Green look comfortable out there and I know I think he only had like two assists maybe yeah. three assists but the playmaking is pretty good too I mean Shingun like messed up like four or five easy dimes for him yeah oh yeah and, and especially playing in this setting your first debut to only have one turnover I thought was really impressive uh, 23 points two assists uh, nine of 18 shooting for Jalen Green which was really good um, the the thing that also stood out for me with Okoro was the change in his jump shot. Um, mm-hmm. It does look a lot more compact. It looks a lot quicker. Uh, release point is a little low, I, I find, but the, the fact that he's getting that shot off quicker, I think is a really encouraging development. He took the uh, the one bailout three towards uh, the end of the game, but outside of that, um, he was two of five on, on his other three-point attempts. Uh, I like seeing him get those shots up. And the the one thing that really stood out, though, and I mentioned Broderick Thomas not playing well, the absence of guard play for the Cavs was really, really apparent. Um, They they just... Broderick Thomas was not recognizing guys when they were cutting off ball. Uh, Jalen Hands wasn't doing that. Whoever they had out there. Jalen Hands played like a guy who used to be a top high school prospect, but has lost his shine. Like he was, (laughs) he was doing too much and not doing enough. It was the old uh, Paul Rudd and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, Um, he he showed some flashes, but uh, nothing that actually looks like it would translate to good team basketball. Yeah, he did not have the guard play was not there, so it was a tough spot to uh, to evaluate globally. But Justin, what are we doing? What kind of producing is this? 
We're, we're six <laughs> minutes in. We haven't talked about Mobley. Let's talk about Mobley. <laughs> Got to give the people what they want. Well, I was segueing to that because I, I think it's important to bring up how poor the guard play was. I mean, Isaac Okora was probably the best passer out there with him uh, on, on this roster. But one thing that I really liked with Mobley is so often when when big men aren't getting good playmaking from the guard position you can see them kind of lollygag that they can get a little out of the game and I like that he was really showing some aggressiveness he was creating for himself in the first half um yes not not a lot of those shots went down but I I did like that he was really kind of starting to force the issue and, and really try to create opportunities I I thought that that was a really encouraging sign because um we we want to see that aggressiveness from Evan Mobley and like the things that don't show up in the <laughs> on the box score with Mobley uh, oh, were jumping. That Sengun was so good. <laughs> oh man, there, there were so many things that just jumped off the screen with him that it, like I said before, it gave me the taste that I really needed uh, from this team in summer league already after one game. Yeah, I mean, super exciting from Mobley. Um, the the splash plays were so splashy, dunking on Shingun and then immediately just swallowing his shot. He did Shingun did get a, a foul drawn on him, and man, that guy's got some footwork. But yeah. you know, like like those two splash plays were right there. I feel like with Mobley right now, like that game was like everything we've heard about him as a player, like was a mic was shown in micro in this game, like the the feel was really good i mean he was running fast break which is really cool and fun to watch oh my god um you're up more than once and and attacking in semi-transition like such a fluid athlete um facing up with uh with a head of steam like when he has the destabilized defense to attack um which is great because again like consider the fact that like we're not going to see you know what he, he can really do in this setting because he won't, he doesn't have guards that are just like feeding him good looks and and getting him the ball with an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he did have an advantage, we saw that. Uh, we saw when he didn't have an advantage, the handle was a little. He didn't have a lot of shake on the handle. Yeah. Um, we saw the strength issues pop up. Kenyon Martin Jr. was kind of getting under him a little bit on on some plays, but overall, like man, he just looks really really good. I mean. If I ha- if I'm gonna put on take put on my nitpick hat, I will say that the defense he got gassed at the end of the game for sure, mm-hmm. um, and the defensive engagement drops when he's not a pass away, which is what I saw at USC when I was watching in my in- admittedly limited scout of him, um, and that's stuff that like you know if if I'm the Cavs coaching staff, I view this as such an opportunity to just like. Go watch Draymond Green possessions and watch how involved he is every second of every defensive play. And mm-hmm. if you're going to, like, because, like, no matter how physically talented you are and how smart you are, like, you're never going to, like, be that that defensive anchor and floor raiser unless you can, unless you're impacting plays that are happening, like, two passes away. You know, yeah. unless you're, you're snuffing out stuff. And I think that's, like, when I watch young Evan Mobley, obviously we're going to, all there's a lot of obvious stuff, you know, get stronger. Uh, get the, get the jumper better um you know work on work on these things but when i see him i that's the one thing i go oh man this if he really engages as a leader on defense as opposed to being an elite talent on defense um then man the Cavs are really going to have something here especially with jared Allen as his partner in the front court 
Yeah, as much as I was excited uh, looking at what was on the court, I was getting excited about what's going to be on the court. Because yeah, totally. when, when you're talking about him kind of falling asleep off ball at times or, or when his man doesn't have the ball, um, that's one of those spots where I'm really, really grateful that it looks like Larry Nance Jr. is going to be back for this team because he's such a great communicator out there and you know that he's going to be in his ear all the time pointing things out. And the reputation on Evan Mobley is that he's just a complete student of the game someone that picks things up very quickly you tell him something i don't think he's ever had to be as engaged as i'm asking him to be exactly defense exactly that's so like i i hope that no one's taking this as me like you know dogging the kid because like i think it's most most kids are like that but like i just see the potential for him to just be a world destroyer on that end of the court no, I I would be surprised if anyone thought that that's what you're doing with Mobley because honestly, like pointing out the areas for growth and whatnot, especially with a young team, is the best way that you can identify when that growth actually occurs. If you act like they're just a finished product right now, it's not going to be very interesting and it's not going to be accurate either. Um, but yeah, like especially having, uh, I, I love seeing Garland, Sexton, and Jared Allen on on the sideline courtside rooting for these guys and whatnot. I was like. There must have been so many times where Garland was just wishing that he had laced them up and he was out there like finding Mobley off ball because there were so many smart roles and and times that he got into passing lanes where it just wasn't recognized. And when you don't have strong guard play, that's when you have to kind of rely on those post ups, which was a really, really like that. That's where the strength issues really came up was, all right, we need to force feed them because we're it's not working in the pick and roll. We don't have the guard play to do it. And sometimes those strength issues were were starting to become apparent there. Oh, can I tell you something I just loved about his game? Mm -hmm. Deep seals. Oh, yeah. That was a big like. People, I think that people don't, that not to do the, you know, it's not like, you know, rocket science here, but I I feel like people who don't really understand big man play don't understand how important just running hard down the court and planting your ass right above the restricted area, like what that means. Like he drew a foul doing that and Darius Garland is going to feast like the Cavs, like the Cavs guards, including Sexton, by the way, like their biggest weakness is passing in to out. But their interior passing is not bad. Even Colin. That's what yeah. Colin, if you had to say, what's Colin Sexton best at as a passer? It's interior passing. Mm-hmm. And those kind of play, those kind of plays, if if they're pushing in transition and he's getting deep seals, they're going to draw fouls. They're going to get cheap buckets. And like th- this was a team that was pretty short on cheap buckets last year. Yeah. Um. So I was very, very impressed by that part of his game for sure, even though like very rarely was he was it rewarded by like these uh, summer league Cavs guards. Yeah, and even when he did get the ball in some of those spots, like he made some really great passes in tight. That big to big passing, which Jared Allen is going to finish where Kevin Gelly may not. Um, or uh, the time he hit Stevens back door and he just was not ready for that ball to come early in the game. Um, oh but- yeah, I was I I couldn't quite tell. I was on my phone at that point because I had I had the baby still. It looked like Stevens just missed the catch, right? Like that was a good pass. Yeah, it, it hit That's him. What I thought it hit him on the numbers, and and he just mishandled it. Like the the fact that Evan Mobley had zero assists in that game is not reflective of his passing at all. I loved how natural he looked uh, running the fast break. Like when he's God. got the ball in his hands and he's moving, he doesn't look like a big man trying to like play on the perimeter. He looks like a perimeter player. And uh, him finding Lamar Stevens on the fast break, who dumped it off to Okoro, I thought that was a really good team ball. 
Uh, he had manned uh, the ball uh, full court pass to Broderick Thomas, who, who missed a shot. Like he, the the passing. Oh, and, and the skip pass out of the double team was, was <laughs> such a good read. Like the, the the stuff that he does is so great. And I, I really think one of your your smartest points was the, the fact that this isn't a situation like Luca uh, being drafted to a bad team that doesn't have any young players to play alongside him. Pretty much, like. Evan Mobley is going to look better the more talent that's around him. I just he spent just the whole the right time way. just like, can can we get Darius a jersey? <laughs> well, especially him sitting there courtside. I, yeah, I would love, I would love for him to lace it up just like, for a little bit. Man, he just would look. Like, I just can't wait to see these two play together. I feel like they're just a match made in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of of just you know really high IQ and playmaking um, to kind of supplement the play finishers on this team. In Isaac, uh, Colin, and Jarrett, you know, like I don't need these guys to score a ton of points. I really mm-hmm. don't. I just need them to to move the offense and and kind of raise the collective IQ of the team whenever they're out there. And I feel like that's what Evan's going to do. Right, and, and I I don't think anyone anticipates Mobley or Isaac Okoro to be high high usage guys uh, next season. Um, but the fact that they play such good team basketball, like I think Mobley's probably going to get more touches than his usage rate is going to reflect, just because he's such a good connecting piece. And you heard Kobe Altman talk about it during the game, but we just saying we anticipate using Evan Mobley as an offensive hub and having a dynamic score like Sexton having Garland who's going to be able to find him someone to play off of that is all so important and the other thing that really jumps out to me is just how important the acquisition of Ricky Rubio is because early on guard play is going to be a really important thing for Evan Mobley to have and Rubio is someone now that the the trade is official and and we know that he is part of the Cavs um, you know, Fran, Fran, Fran kind of hedged his uh, question. Like he couldn't, he wasn't quite sure of the nature of the transaction to Kobe. Did you notice that? I, I didn't really. <laughs> Where he was like, he said, like, it, assuming he plays for you guys in the fall, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't he? <laughs> Yeah, it, it it was not in that awkward period where the the reports are out, but the trade. No, he, I think he got confused. It was just a funny little random thing. <laughs> also, but, another funny thing is <laughs> Kobe saying Kevin Kelly wants to show up for us and for the rest of the league. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. I, not I mean, wrong. As, no, in as, the most literal sense, he is not wrong. As the offseason is still ongoing, um, I, I think Kevin Gelly's non-guaranteed contract may come up in trade talks. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I thought he actually played pretty solid defense. He's, he is the opposite. He, a, he had a great offensive rebounding game, too. He uh, he is funny because he's the opposite of a summer league guy because he does not have any flashes in his game. He's just kind no. of in position. He's doing the right things, which is what you want for like a depth big 15th man type. But no, he is not going to give you the uh, the, the sexy flashes or anything along those lines. Uh, you derailed me, though. Ricky Rubio. Um, what he's going to bring to the table, I think, is so good because y- you hear Devin Booker talk about him as a teammate. And uh, Anthony Edwards really credited him a lot for his veteran leadership. And the fact that he's going to be able to be in Garland's ear, that he's going to be a stabilizing force on that second unit, I'd anticipate him playing like 25 minutes a night. Like, I I really think that his impact on this team is a, a little underestimated at this point. Well, listen, if you're going to have a starting lineup, and based on Jason Lloyd's report in The Athletic, 
it sure seems like the team is going to have a starting lineup of people who are 23 or younger. The youths are going to be out there, it seems. Yes, the youths. And um, if you're going to do that and you want to win games, which is pretty contradictory, I think the, I do think the org should look long and hard about their expectations if you're going to start that five, by mm-hmm. the way. But with that said, if you're going to do that and you're trying to win, you better have a lot of good vets off the bench. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it seems like in Rubio and Kevin and Larry, as you know, as it's currently constituted, like you got three really, really good vets uh, to to kind of spell the the kids when they when they're messing up because that's what kids do is they mess up all the time. Um, so you know, I, I obviously think the team needs a lot of help at the wing, but like Rubio, in the most specific sense, is something that this team desperately needed. It's it's the reason the offense looked better for a stretch when Delhi came back, even though Delhi didn't have much left in the tank. Cause it's like, Oh, an adult in the room to organize things. Yeah. And Rubio last season, um, he, he was like a lot of the international players where because of COVID, they really like it, everything was locked down. They came in on a little out of shape. Um, him, Luca, all those guys, I, I'm going to categorize them in the same category and tier as Luca Dantich right now. Uh, but they were out of shape and, and he played his way back into shape. He started shooting better, uh, as the year went on. And, it's good enough like his three-point shot is good enough that he's going to at least take the ones that he's supposed to he he had that one year in phoenix where he shot 36 percent. he's had strong seasons but he's been such an effective player with or without that and having him as a stabilizing force as a point of attack defender someone that can run the pick and roll and get guys open and uh really help mentor the team like him and Larry, I think, are the two perfect vets. And the the real question. What's right so now, funny, by the way, is Larry is like twenty seven years old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like he's old man not Larry, uh, twenty eight. He he turned twenty eight in January. So, uh, but point is, old man Larry Nance over here. He's like been in the league like three years. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of ages, Isaac Okoro. I didn't realize he's only like five months uh, older than Jalen Green and. Uh, and Mobley like he's yeah. he's so he's damn young and we got a really big moment from JJ Outlaw here uh or I, I guess Isaac Okoro after the game did you see this Carter no I didn't height watch confirmed Isaac Okoro says uh. he grew a little bit oh my god he's a little bit taller that's six six listing Carter he's a little bit taller we know <laughs> he's a baller etc um 20 year old Isaac Okoro still growing baby yeah, I mean, he looked really, really good. There's just no way around it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I I wonder if they shot it down even earlier than we expect with him. The only thing with him is, like, I do think it helps Mobley to have, like, some extra talent on the floor. Yeah. Like, I know he's only supposed to play two or three games, and that sounds about right. Yeah, um, I think Okoro's supposed to play the first two. So I think we, we see them both play on Wednesday. After that, like, it, I, I guess you kind of feel it out with, Evan and see if he wants to play another game but I, I wouldn't mind like as much as I want to see these guys play like hey take it easy let's not have a, a Dylan Windler situation where summer league uh, leads to injury and whatnot and hey like just play it play it damn safe because um, it it is fun though to, to have summer league back after not having oh, it last totally. year it, especially because it, it's also a nice reminder that hey this is 
what they look like right after the draft. And a lot of guys, they get to work on their games further. They get to continue having strength and conditioning programs. Like, uh, they, they, they are not finished products. And, and that's why I made a point of saying this is what Isaac Okoro looks like after basically half an offseason. Like, he is still going to have some more time to improve on his game. And I, I don't know about you, but my, my excitement went up with Okoro because he's always been the one guy that I kind of need to see it before I, I buy in. Like, I, I don't have as much as kind of the, the blind faith as I have with guys like Garland. Um, but, man, seeing the, the seeing him start to put it together and, and seeing him really capitalize on, on his body is a really encouraging sign, and it, especially the progress that it looks like he made on his jump shot. Yeah, it looks like the jumper's better. It looks like the finishing is really strong. He looked really comfortable attacking the rim. Like mm-hmm. there was never a point last season, maybe at the very end, where it looked like he was really like in control yeah. um of his drives. A lot of time it was, you know, like he was putting all that English on the ball because he just had no angles. Yeah. Uh, and he <laughs> now he he is he, creating angles. He, yeah, and that's you know, it's funny. You know, bag Twitter uh, will always like talk about how LeBron doesn't like have that. Like, 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 I think people it bothers people that LeBron doesn't just blow by people. It's like when you're LeBron, you just hit them. Yeah, <laughs> and you go, they go flying. And like, I obviously Isaac isn't a physical specimen that LeBron is, um, but like the same principle applies here. Like, I think. As he should keep working on his handle, sure, but like I don't, I think that is where his game is going to lie. Which again goes will restart the is he a two conversations? Um, yeah, because you know if smaller guys are guarding him, that that style works a lot better. Yeah, right now his offensive game does seem more suited to be a two, but hey, like with the length that this team has, like the yeah, concern and, and, and frankly, with the dearth of wings, this team has, he going to be a three for them. Right. Exactly. It's not like we have concerns about him being a small forward defensively, which I, I no. think is where the, the biggest question is. So um, I do think getting him the reps as a ball handler, when this team does project to be a pretty pick and roll heavy team, given the investment in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Now um, I, I think that that's a, a really smart move. So um, it, it's, just nice too to to see after we spoke with mike garrity about hey w- what are guys working on and whatnot the, the fact that like the points of emphasis for isaac okor was working on his handle and working on his jump shot and the fact that we are now in the beginning of august and we can see that work already we can already see the growth in those areas i think is a really really encouraging sign i couldn't agree more man he just looks he looks really too good to be out there, you know, which is the best thing you could possibly say about the guy. Uh, do you think Lamar is going to get burned on this team? Like, I feel I feel kind of bad for him because I feel like he's in he's someone who could probably earn it. But just like the, the four position is such a logjam for them. Yeah, I, I honestly don't see it. Um, I, I think right now, lo- looking at the way that this roster is constructed, like he's probably not going to play over Dean Wade because what they they need what Dean Wade brings more than what Stevens yes, brings. Totally. Um, and like he's not playing over Larry, obviously as a reserve. If we're assuming that that the the five young guys, the 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 young core is the one starting. Um, yeah, I I just don't see the minutes. I like. I think it's going to be good for him uh, to get some reps in Canton. It's great that the the team is in town. 
uh, now, and he can take advantage of that. But the nice thing about Lamar Stevens is if you do have injuries and you need him to, to play either at the four or maybe some minutes at the three, you know that he's going to be ready. You know what you're going to get from him. You know he's going to make an impact on the defensive end. Uh, I would really love to see more growth with that jump shot because uh, that would that that would unlock um, minutes for him. Because if if he gets that jumper on track where it's at least like low thirties, y- you can earn minutes on this team because they just need wings that badly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I just don't. I don't think that's his game. You know, like mm-hmm. as much as I think, I think Lamar's has a chance to get his jumper to a serviceable spot, but not out. Not he's not a wing. He's a yeah. four in the NBA, and it's it's a bummer because I really do think he he might be a, a legitimate end of bench kind of player. You know, that could get minutes and fill in a stopgap, especially defensively. I mean, he he and Isaac like when the Cavs looked their best tonight, it was him and Isaac and Evan just running in transition and just being physically imposing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which is a really fun paradigm for this team to be because like it feels like feels like they haven't been able to be a physically imposing team for quite some time you know no no um, <laughs> and that's without Jared Allen being and that's there. yeah <laughs> so uh you know it that that was definitely very very fun but um I I will say this I'm Bro- Broderick's gotta look better than he did yeah you know like if he wants a roster spot and he wants to stick around like that's a player who you would hope more from after a half year of NBA, legit NBA burn. Like yeah, he was getting I, minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that he looks a little more composed. He he was definitely pressing and was that's what stood out. Like he, he had tunnel vision. Where whereas with the Cavs, I felt like uh, there, there were times where he was playing pretty good team basketball. He just needs to get back to that. You like that is the way that you're going to prove that you belong with <laughs> yeah, this I team. Is not guard. Be, what's that? I just don't think he's a point guard. I think I don't he's think a two. So yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, Carter, it's been so long since we've talked. I, it's It's been killing me, but do you mind if I pull out the old soapbox? It's got yeah. a little bit of dust on it, but I, I want to stand on it yeah, for a minute. Go ahead, gang. All right. So in our time off, obviously, there was a lot of conversations. And one of the things that came up is this whole talk of young core. I've seen a lot of people get really upset that when people mention the the five young guys for the Cavs as a young core. And they talk about how many of these guys are actually franchise guys and whatnot. Young core to me, and when we use it on this podcast, means that you are not moving one of those pieces unless it is to enhance the core, to be part of the core, that you're not going to sell off one of these five young guys for spare parts. I don't think they're going to do that with Okoro. I don't think they're going to do that with Garland, Sexton, Allen, or Mobley. Those are the young core. And yes, they're not all franchise players. But when I say core five and when I say young core, it's because those are the people whose uh, development is being prioritized. That's what that means. PSA. Okay. Thank thank, thank you, everybody. This message was brought to you by uh, Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> where so- someone clearly pissed Justin off. <laughs> also came up in, in the Discord, and I, uh, I just needed to get that off. I need to get okay. that off well, my chest. I, I hope that whoever the target of that uh, that monologue was listened, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and you feel seen. I, 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 that's really what matters to me, Justin. You know what? Honestly, sometimes it's just for me. A, a lot of this we, we do for it's, the it's audience. It's the old Clooney thing. You know, one, one, make one for you, make one for them. Yeah. I got a little bit of airtime for myself, but we should probably move. It. We should Can probably we talk move for on. Agency? Uh, I was going to say we should first address the fact that Jared Allen is back with the Cleveland Cavaliers oh, on a five-year deal. Sure. 
because we yeah. have not podcasted since that became news. Yeah, so five years, 100 mil is the reported terms. Uh, mm-hmm. The also reported terms are that it's flat, just 20 mil across the board. Yep. Nothing wrong there. And, I mean, I think everyone knows what we're going to say about this because we've been saying it the whole time. Like, we're both fine with this deal, right? <laughs> like, yep. I'm more than happy with it. Yeah, I, I think even the Summer League game is a good example that Evan Mobley isn't a five yet. Like, he may be at some point. He might play some backup five. Who knows? Like, if Kevin Love is still on this roster, I would imagine Love to be the nominal backup five on this team, and Mobley plays those minutes with him. Like, there's a lot of ways for this to go, but I, I really do think that the fit between Allen and Mobley is going to be great. Uh, they're, they're both so mobile, and I, I think it's worth exploring. Like, um, the acquisition of Jared Allen was one of the highlights of last season. He's a player that I've liked for a really long time, and I'm really happy that he's back. Uh, God, I think he has a seven six wingspan. I'm just looking at him. Did Ooh. you know that? I just, I, I just, I just Google double checked his age because I wanted to check, and that popped up there. My word, uh, they should yeah, be a good defensive team next you, year. Uh, you would think, um, even with Sexland's uh, pretty public deficiencies there, uh, mm-hmm. plus with Larry, you know, um, kind of bringing the veteran smarts um, uh, next to Allen and, and and Mobley, who you know aren't kind of defensive orchestrators yet but just are so damn physically talented. I love the move. I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I'll, I'll keep saying it. The, the, the case study here, if you're worried is Clint Capella. Yeah. Um, you know, Clint Capella is a couple years older. Um, we thought he was just a, at least I thought he was just a glorified rim runner in a Ponzi scheme offense, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in Houston. And he got better. And just, (laughs) and just like we talked about with Giannis, uh, where when I had Ty on in the post-title pod, um, like Giannis didn't like add to his bag. You know, Giannis just got smarter and better at basketball because that's what older players do. Right. Like they they read the the seams, the gaps of the game much better. And like that's what you're expecting from Allen. I don't need him to add a jumper to be worth this contract. You know, like I just need him to be a good physical player that that just gets better and better. I mean, Capella you could argue was the Hawks' second most important player last year. Yeah. It, and I, I think and that's... Playing a, and playing along a, a, a high-flying power forward that rim runs, and they were able to find plenty of plenty of good looks on that offense. The league is getting big, man. The league and, is getting and, big and again. In, and in fairness, um, like, like Collins is obviously, you know, uh, a much better shooter than Evan is right now. So it's, it's not an apples to apples, but the point is... One, do not treat Jared Allen like he is a finished product, even if he doesn't add a, you know, like one of those like, like very definable skills that he doesn't currently have. And two, he can play alongside Evan Mobley just fine. Yeah. It, and and if they don't play along together just fine, I think that is much more an indictment on the Cavs than on those on those two players. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I think the presence of shooting around those two is going to be really important. Um, we, we saw Mobley's ability to get by guys off the dribble, and like, that's going to be a great spot for him to create an advantage with Jaron Allen uh, on the inside. Like Once he gets by his man, Jaron Allen's man has to make a decision, and, and we know he can make that big-to-big passing. Uh, Allen makes some pretty good passes as well. They, they're both mobile, so I'm, I'm happy to have them both there, but I mean, we... 
now touched on it is the importance of adding shooting around them and obviously Isaac Okoro working on his jump shot is going to be an important part of that but uh, and Jaddy's going to have to find his again yeah well assuming if he is back then yes um but I'm assuming Jaddy's back until he's not no that's fair but I, I do think it's important that we need to figure out exactly who the eighth man is for this team because we, we've got the core five. You got Rubio and Nance. They're probably the first two off the bench. If Love's back, I guess he's the eighth man. But whether it's eighth or ninth man, however you want to classify it, the Cavs do still have a deficiency at the wing. They need a yeah, veteran like wing shooter. Yeah, that's the thing. Love doesn't affect that one way or the other. It's whether Love is back or or he's bought out, which, again, we don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, Lloyd's reported on some early expectations, but that's it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if Love's back, it just means Larry's going to play more five or Kevin's going to play more five. It doesn't really affect the three position. I mean, Larry no. can play a little three, and so can Dean Wade. But we all know that's not ideal. Um, And, ide- I mean, ideally, what is ideal is if you if you can't make a move, uh, and get someone you really like that you just ha- hope Jetty bounces back. <laughs> right. I mean, because the thing is, I will say this for Jetty, and I want to get I want to get ahead of this one. He had a nightmare season last year. That is so far beyond uh, his worst season. It's it's hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. So like like it's not like we ha- we should necessarily just anticipate Jetty's going to be as bad as he was last year he's been a helpful player for this team before mm-hmm. he wasn't last year we all know that i'm sure he would tell you that yeah the, the the numbers plummeted but if the jumper gets right who's who's to say so that would be ideal but it in terms of what the team should plan for it doesn't feel great to be depending on dylan or jetty at the backup three right now because Dylan's just had so many injury problems, and then Jetty is coming off the worst season of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what would you do? Because the Cavs are in a tough spot here. I don't. I think people will if they if they start the season as currently constituted, people will go after Kobe for not finding a backup three for trading Torian for Rubio. Um, because I'll tell you what, I think the Cavs could have gotten a point guard for the full mid level, um, and. You know, like, or, you know, part of it, you know, you could go get Howell Neto and, and, or someone like that for cheap mm-hmm. and, 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 and kept Prince. I, I'm still on board with getting Rubio just because I think the team needs a backup, a, a floor general more than anything else. But that will be the criticism. But like, now that we're here, I don't really know what to do if Josh Hart, who, by the way, isn't much of a shooter, isn't coming. Mm-hmm. No, like, what, I, I think, like, what do you think the fix is? So that's a good question because I, I think it comes to this free agency conversation where obviously the, the Cavs were not able to spend money on a shooter, at least not yet. Um, I, I would still hope that you bring in someone like maybe a Svi Mihailik or uh, some other uh, shooter. He's on my list of uh, people that should the Cavs could take a flyer on. But, but I'm, I'm not penciling that v- player. I'm not playing that penciling that player in as the eighth slash ninth man. Um, I do think that at this point, I'm still waiting to see well, if they're going to be yeah. active in the trade market. Well, let's talk about that real quick. Let's say they do sign, like, obviously Josh Hart is, like, probably the best prize on the wing market left mm-hmm. in terms of people you might actually spend on. What you're hoping with if you if you sign a fee is that whoever comes out of camp looking the best is that is your, you know, your second wing off the bench. Yeah. 
you know, uh, that 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 uh, the the Isaac replacement. And I do think Isaac's going to play heavy minutes again, so you don't need that much time. But with that said, like I, I think that's what you're doing. You're not signing a Svi Mikhailuk and say, "Hey, you're you're our backup three now." It's hey, in camp, you, Jetty, and Dylan are going to comp- compete for this, and whoever is the best is going to get it. Yeah, I, I think if that's the way the offseason played out, I would still be a little disappointed. Um, sure, it's sure. It, it's a tricky position to be in because uh, with the majority of the the best wing options that we discussed. The Cavs were either priced out or they returned to contender. Some of them turned down more money. And and it's a really bad negotiating position to be in when you're saying, hey, we can offer you as much money and we can't, we're probably not giving you a starting spot either. You're going to start behind a 20-year-old in Isaac Okoro or uh, potentially behind uh, Colin Sexton as well uh, as a 22-year-old. That that is not a good bargaining position, especially for a team coming off a 22-win season. The Josh Hart situation is interesting. So Chris Fedor has mentioned that uh, by, by his reporting that they, they are engaged at least or gauging that market of what's there with Josh Hart. I think once the Josh Hart um, signing is completed, whether it is a signing trade with the Cavs or another team or back with the Pelicans, my my blind guess, or at least my hope, this is my hopeful heart talking, would be at that point, if the Cavs weren't able to capitalize on it, then they would look at the trade market for guys like Terrence Ross, um, Bogdanovich, um, Joe Ingles, all, all these other guys that have been mentioned. Because you, you look at the move that the Bucks just made, where they traded for Grayson Allen for a nothing player and two late seconds. The Cavs have Jetty Osman as a declining salary. They have the San Antonio Spurs and Houston Rockets second round picks next year, which are probably two of the bottom three teams in the Western Conference. Now, I wouldn't advocate for trading those picks just to trade them because they're probably going to be valuable. And we, we've seen what high second round picks can do next year in the draft or whatnot. You also have your own first round pick. I would be looking out there for that kind of an upgrade where you are flipping some of those picks to get a more established wing, whether it is someone like a Terrence Ross. And I, I feel like Josh Hart might be the domino that that situation needs to resolve before you can go on to uh, plan B, C, D, whatever the case may be. But even if you're signing a Sfima Hylik or who, whoever the shooter, free agent shooter may be, I, I think that the replacement needs to come by trade. And that's a difficult position to be in. It's the position the Cavs have been in in the last couple of years where they haven't had the free agent spending power um, that you might want to upgrade this roster. But it's also something that they've done well in. I, I remember last year, people were freaking out that after Tristan Thompson walked that, hey, there was no good centers on the market at all. And we got JaVale McGee, who is a perfect backup center, along with two second round picks. Uh, Ricky Rubio is a better backup point guard than basically anyone that was on the market. That was a big way to address a need. And I'm not going to panic until free agency is over and we know what the training camp roster is, but I would be disappointed if they did not trade uh, or find a way to acquire a veteran wing, at, yeah. at least personally. I, I'm just not there in terms of because, like, I don't, I don't think this team is really that ready to win yet. You know, so it's like, do I really want to give up any assets for Joe Ingles, like that are meaningful? Like, I maybe, maybe you do, but like, if you if it's like, hey, we didn't want to give up two seconds to get a guy who's going to be here one year, mm-hmm. 
Like it's well, hard so, for well, me. Someone to beat like Terrence the, Ross the, would be interesting to me with Terrence two Ross, years on his deal. Someone who's a little younger that you could kind of say like is going to be a kind of a piece. Maybe you can build into the into the kind of the future. Like maybe, but like I don't know, man. It's just hard for me to like get too worked up about it because I just feel like this team just isn't there yet. Like they need more seasoning now. I the reason you like it is for the reason we talked about earlier, which is if you're gonna have five twenty three year olds or younger in the starting lineup, your bench should be veteran heavy. And you know, adding Joe Ingles to that bench, someone like that, which I mean, is the thing, that's they, they as may ideal not, as it gets, they may not be ready. Like I, I don't really anticipate looking at the way that the Eastern Conference is shaken out like there are a lot of teams that got better I think in the East the only teams that didn't get or the only teams that got worse is basically Boston Toronto uh, maybe Indiana but they're getting TJ Warren back so you you don't know what's going to happen there Uh, at the very least they stayed the same and they upgraded their coaching staff Um, but there's a whole bunch of teams with names ahead of them. Chicago Bulls made a lot of moves. Um, I don't know if I'd pick Chicago to make it out of the first round in the next five years, but they sure spent a lot of money to get to it. Um, but it, terrible. Then the nice what thing. A terrible off season. I cannot believe anyone likes that off season for them. <laughs> well, I, I mean, let's see if it gets any worse with the league investigating the uh, Lonzo Ball sign and trade. Um, but like, when, when is the Lonzo? Uh, like, I don't know, man. It's just. Ugh, whatever I, I don't get it i don't get it your uh your former home is uh, causing you some grief here just it's just like i i just think that team is so aggressively mediocre you it's know? true and and like derozan's old they in uh, miami spent a lot of money to have a second round ceiling maybe at best um but- that was, hold on so like as much as i want to slander miami Miami spent a lot of money to have a conference final ceiling at best. Like I think they can get there if yeah, things break. Maybe right. maybe if things break. I right. don't know if it is possible if everything goes awesome for Chicago for them to make a conference finals. Well, the the messy and thing they for gave Chicago up all their too. First rounders, like ugh. The messy thing for Chicago too is Zach Levine now has this Team USA experience where I think if he wasn't playing with all these awesome guys on Team USA, maybe Chicago's offseason would excite him more. But now that he's actually got a taste of winning and he has the option to taste free agency, um, it'll be really interesting to see if what the Bulls did this year is going to be enough for him. But the nice thing about the play-in tournament is it does give you another goal. Right, like you may not make the postseason, but I, I do think getting that nine ten at the very least is a, a realistic goal if, for the. And cast. if they don't, I think I think people should be frustrated. Right, and, and I'll, but, I'll be but, frustrated. I'll say that. Like I, I, I mean, uh, the the more negative folks on Twitter uh, as of late. Like I got into an argument with with Chops the other day, and he was like, you know, at some point they need to win. I'm like, yeah, uh, now, yeah, now, and now that's we're and, year four, and that and that's sense. what I'm. T- kind of getting at here with the need to trade for a wing is yeah maybe the young guys aren't ready but you need to put them in the best position possible to yeah, test that i'm being sold yeah you you need to put the right pieces around them so that it's okay yeah they they struggled here but you know they they were kicking it out to, to dylan windler who wasn't fully healthy what do you expect if that's terrence ross and you're giving those guys the right veterans to cycle in because if it's rubio nance and let's say ross or josh hart or any of these other guys 
those are legitimate guys that you can mix in with the young players that's going to help accentuate what they bring to the table. And that's why I really want to see that. that that's my, my big hope is that they can bring in a veteran wing because I do think it solves a lot of things. And honestly, if they want to be competitive next year, getting uh, some value uh, from Kevin Love on the basketball court coming off the bench would be nice. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily prerequisite, and we'll see how that uh, situation plays out. But you want to put these young guys in a position to succeed because, yes, the teams ahead of them have more names, but these guys need to turn themselves into names. Isaac Okoro, Garland, Sexton, Allen, Mobley, like they have the opportunity to take that step forward and, and overachieve in a lot of people's eyes and become household names. And I think that should really be the goal of this season because I don't think you bring in Ricky Rubio if you're not looking to try to be more competitive. And uh, yes, there are teams that have made some bigger moves ahead of them, but there, there's always a team that disappoints. There's always a team that overachieves. Nobody would have had the New York no, Knicks no. as a five seed last. And how about in in a in a different uh, note with a much younger team is. No one would have thought the Hornets were going to be as competent as they were, especially with as much time as LaMelo missed last year. Even the Hawks, who had the basically the same record. And yes, Bogdanovich helped. Yes, uh, Gallinari helped. But a lot of that came internally. It also came from the presence of Clint Capella having a full year, which is what's going to happen with Jared Allen. Like I do think that the Cavs, and I tweeted this out, going up until the end of May, the Cavs had the 21st best defense in, in the league. And that was with significant injuries, all the contacts, a healthier season, having a full year of Jared Allen, having Evan Mobley, having a better Isaac Okoro, all of that, having Ricky Rubio off the bench instead of Damian Dotson and and Broderick Thomas. All of that is probably going to make this a pretty good defense. I, I think it's realistic to expect them to at least be league average, especially with a good defensive coach and J.B. Bickerstaff. That's going to keep you in a lot of games, and that's going to give these young guys a lot of opportunities in close games. I just hope that the, the right veterans are in place to let those guys really work through those opportunities and hopefully capitalize on them. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah. I think I've been sold, Justin. Yes! Like... Mm. Um, I, I do think that it you got to support these guys, and and I will say this for anyone bellyaching about Josh Hart's shooting, I get it, I get it. Okay, like this team needs shooting. It was a sore spot last season, but really, what they need is good basketball players. Yeah, and, and like, he's certainly that. Like he, he he's like replacing a- replacing last year's version of Jetty with this year's version of Josh Hart is a hilariously big jump. Right, and for his career, it's not bad. Like it's thirty five percent for his career, thirty five, thirty five percent for his career, and I just, I still assume that every player is going to get an uptick in shooting when they come to the Cavs. So that's on my mind as well. But again, that's probably a bit of a tough sell, right? Like I'm not anticipating Josh Hart because no, I mean he's probably going to want to start wherever he goes. And I, and frankly, if I think if it was happening, it probably would have happened by now. Yeah. You, it might be a pretty good guess. I mean, we uh, we are in the guesswork business. <laughs> we we try to not go too far in hypotheticals, but probably a good guess. But whether it be Terrence Ross, whether it be other wing options, uh, Chris Fedor had, had tweeted out a, a pretty interesting list of guys that he thought could be potential targets. I do think that they have really good trade assets if they want to use them. Now, the tricky part about not having cap space and needing to rely on this avenue is somebody has to be willing to move their guy. That opportunity has to be there, and those are forces that are outside of your control. But but I, that's those are those are opportunities, Kobe. It, you know, take as many 
you know, qualms as you have you might have with Kobe. I mean, I think this is a pretty pro Kobe Altman podcast mm-hmm. um, thus far in his tenure. But like, even if you don't love him, like he's been pretty good at vulturing into these deals where something else is happening. And he just like lands with Jared Allen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is um, why, like I I have maybe like a, a sliver of free agency angst just because they they missed out on a lot of these guys, but. They were priced out. Like I said, no one's taking a pay cut to come to Cleveland to be a reserve. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, so I, I'm hopeful. I'm going to wait for the offseason to play out and, and see what happens. It would be great if it came internally. Like, yes, Dylan Windler may be an option. He had that great month and he had a bad month for the Cavs. And then he had no months for the Cavs after that. That'd be great. It'd be nice if Jetty Osmond played like he did in 1920. It'd be great if Kevin Love played like he did in 1920. Um, there's a whole lot of things that could go well. Um, but I just want insurance for that. I, I want to go in a perfect world. You want to add a veteran wing, another adult in the locker room, because they're sorely going to need those and just a more reliable option. Yeah, just let's raise the floor a little bit to give these guys a puncher's chance in the East. I hear you, man. I totally hear you. Well, I take my wins when I can get them, and it looks like I uh, I got a win with this one, winning you over. How about that? Congratulations. It won't happen again. <laughs> the middle class in the East did get a lot better. I'll, I'll ha- it, I have to say it that. Did. It, it did, but like not in a meaningful way. Like, you know I agree. What I mean, like, like it's, it's been a weird offseason where only the Lakers maybe affected their championship ceiling, and we can uh, we can talk about that later, but... Like everyone else, it was like a lot of like just deck chairs moving around, in my opinion. Yeah, you, like you're you're not mistaken. N- like I, not I think- a ton of like cha- like if if meaningful means affecting who wins the title. I don't think a lot of moves have affected who wins the title this summer. No, we just have a uh, healthier middle class in the NBA right now, which you know what, <laughs> a healthy middle class is always a great thing. But you know what else is always a great thing? Podcasting with you, buddy. It's good oh, to be bud. back. I missed you. It, it's it, hard going down to one a week. It is hard going down to one a week. Um, I, I think uh, not podcasting during the moratorium was probably a good idea. We don't want to ca- cost this Cavs team any uh, draft picks or anything like that. We don't want to be the the Miami Heat or the Chicago Bulls going down an investigation, as great as that content would be. No, I mean, I think that would that would be a great thing for us. Um, <laughs> not a great uh, thing for the story, partnership. From, from a storytelling perspective. About about you know we'll be fifty years old talking about how we we cost the Cavs fifty thousand dollars or something, um, but oh my uh, God. but it probably should. It's probably always better to play it safe. Probably for the best. We are uh, fully in off season mode. I'm I'm still pretty pretty dang excited uh i'm, I'm glad that uh, summer league is here uh, we'll get at least one more taste of mobley and uh, okoro together on wednesday it seems like uh so we will uh, obviously be talking about that uh but we're probably in uh, one podcast a week mode until uh training camp gets going so um if breaking news happens you can always expect an emergency podcast but we'll probably be down to one a week at least for the regular scheduled show anything else you want to add before i wrap this thing up carter uh, I like this Cavs team. I like that we have seven guys that I'm pretty sure can help us win. I, you know, at the least maybe eight. Um, uh, if if Kevin's around, um, so I, I feel pretty good about this roster. Uh, even if they're not quite ready to win, I think they're ready to show us the kind of stuff that we want to see uh, culturally. So I'm yeah. feeling good. 
Yeah, no, I'm yeah. good. Just and if they add Josh Hart, I'm because oh, oh, oh. I because I like Josh Hart. I, I do. Too. I like his game a lot. I think he's a. I think he makes a lot of winning plays. The jumper isn't always there, but he makes a lot of winning plays. That that would be a pleasant surprise, but uh, I, I'm definitely interested to see what other moves will be done to to supplement uh, the team because it, it does seem like. Hey, they, they still do have money to spend. They're not going to end the season with empty spots on the coaching bench. They're not going to end the offseason with empty spots on the roster. There's still moves to be made. I'm just happy. I, I love the core. I, I'm glad that this core is going to get a, a shot to it, at least be competitive in the East, and we'll we'll see how things go. Um, it probably would shock nobody to know that I'm I'm pretty pretty dang high on the young guys and how they're going to play but thank you so much to all our listeners for tuning in if you're watching this on youtube make sure that you like and subscribe it's the best way to help the podcast show up in the feeds if you're listening on podcast leave a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of the chase downs exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of that review to chase at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go caps